let me ask you this. I'm, I'm sure somebody wants to do this, but they're rolling their eyes because they're like, well, I don't have X amount of dollars. And, and you know, what is a lot of money to somebody is all relative to what they're thinking about buying. So maybe I don't have $10,000 to go buy an asset. I don't have $100,000 to put down in a house. I don't have a million dollars to buy a trailer park home or a storage unit or a business or whatnot. Um, where, where do people start, right? Because I, I think there's a happy medium somewhere between uh, uh, you know, whether it's Dave Ramsey, have no debt, live like a pauper, hate your life and save, save, save. There's gotta be a happy meeting between that and like, well, I'm going to Vegas and putting it all on black. Um, so, so where, where do people start if they're just starting to think through this? Because, you know, we're coming, we're, we're obviously filming this in 2021. It feels like all asset classes are pretty expensive. Like, you know, when you talk about a piece of real estate cash flowing, it's like, mm, in Southern California, you can't find that. You can't find a $800,000 single family residence that you buy, put a renter in there and cash flow. So talk a little bit, even in this environment where, you know, all asset classes, the stock market, pork bellies, um, real estate, everything feels kind of expensive right now. Where can somebody start if they don't have a bunch of money and how can they conceptualize this even in a market where it feels like things are maybe expensive? Well, we're in a bit of a predicament here because money is becoming less valuable by the day. So right now, based on the last nine months of money printing, 40% of the dollars in circulation in the US were printed inside of the last nine months, 40% of the money. So think about that. So anyone who's telling you that inflation is 2%, 3%, they are full of it. And now the new you know, stimulus for 1.9 trillion, maybe that bumps it up to 45% of money in circulation. Um, you know, I'd have to do the math, but it's over 40%. So think about that. And think about what's happening to the dollar. So that's first and foremost. Secondly, you're right. Asset classes uh, are almost across the board are overvalued. The stock market is at an all-time high. Uh, so that's overvalued. Many of your real estate sectors are overvalued. So it's, it's hard to want to buy in. Now, not every asset is that way. And typically, if you want to hedge against a devaluing uh, dollar, you know, to hedge against inflation, you would buy assets. And assets are going to appreciate typically in proportion to inflation. So that's a great hedge first and foremost. So it's finding the assets that are not overvalued. And that might be finding an off-market deal. I call them invisible deals. There are a lot of them. It could be an off-market deal. It could be uh, a new trend that is emerging. It could be a new business or opportunity or uh, innovation to the status quo. Uh, it could be a totally new industry like cannabis or crypto. You know, th there's just so many opportunities. E-commerce is booming. There's just so many opportunities. So that, so the first thing is not every asset class is overvalued, but a lot of them are. So be careful. Secondly, if money is being devalued, you want it in assets. You don't want it in cash. You don't want it sitting in your bank account. Um, that's just not a good use of funds. And so, you know, to answer your question, how do people do it? You don't have to have a lot of money. You just have to figure out a way where you can make a win-win situation with someone else. I mean, I've bought several, I've invested in several, uh, opportunities. Some of them were uh, a seller finance deal where I didn't have to put much down. I was able to negotiate that others. I didn't have to put anything down. 
but I was able to bring some of my expertise to the situation. Um, other times I was just able to broker a deal between other people and I didn't have to do anything with money, but I got a piece for being in the middle. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, you know, I, I love uh, some of these new crowd uh, source platforms. You've got crowdfunding and um, you can do something as low as $100 or $1,000. I mean, that is a great place to start. And every deal is a little bit different there. Um, the other thing that you can do is you can find some real estate and find something that you can own in a place that you'd want to own it. And uh, in that scenario, maybe you figure out if you want to do a short-term rental, a long-term rental. Um, there's just so many options that exist. The goal, though, is cash flow. Buy assets that have cash flow. And the opportunities to do that are just endless. Talk about that a little bit, because I think most people's perception of investments, especially a lot of people watching this might be in the real estate world, the mortgage world, you know, their thought is, okay, well, yeah, I bought a property for $500,000. What else is there to negotiate? Like I get my loan from the bank. I, I did my inspections. It's $500,000 and, and that's it. But you're saying in, in the world in which you live, where you're, you're investing for cash flow. Maybe price is not the most important thing. And I'm kind of shocked to hear that, even though I've read it in the book. So um, hearing you say it out loud uh, is interesting to me. Tell me a little bit about that, uh, about the, the terms of the deal and, and some win-wins that you've structured and some, you know, what you called uh, plussing the deal. Sure. Well, I'm not afraid to overpay for something because if the numbers work, even at the price that I'm overpaying for, then that's fine. So to me, if I can put less money down to buy an asset, that is way more important to me than the price because whatever I'm getting, I'm probably amortizing at 20, 25 or 30 years. So the amount that it costs me per month that's more is so negligible. It, it just doesn't matter. So I, I don't care what that end price is as long as it fits the, the financial modeling that I've done. All I want are terms that can support a good investment. So maybe that's a really low interest rate. Maybe that's a long note. Maybe that is uh, no down payment or a 5% or a 10% down payment. Um, there's so many different ways that we could, we could cut this, but I'm just looking for a way that it is easy for me to want to say yes, but still allowing them to feel good. So the goal here, like I love to negotiate, um, but when I negotiate, it's for a win-win. Most of the time a deal is presented to you, it's a win for whoever's you know, selling it or showing it. I mean, it's a win. They came up with it, right? So that doesn't mean it's good for you. If it's good for you, great, do it. But I mean, most of the time it's not. So you just have to push back and find terms that are good for you. So my goal is not to negotiate so hard that the terms are so bad for them and I win and they lose because that doesn't work. I mean, long-term, they're never going to come back to me. I would rather a deal be like so good where I feel great. I got the terms I wanted. They feel great. They got the price they wanted. Everyone feels good. Maybe you didn't get everything you wanted, but you're, but it was a successful sale. Everyone wins. And now they come back for more business in the future. And I've had a lot of situations like that, Scott. Everybody's got something, you know, most companies have a corporate benefit where you can borrow up to $50,000 against your own 401k and the payback is nominal because you're borrowing against your own assets. So is that something else you've seen people use to finance deals? 
Yeah, you can do that. You can, I mean, there are a lot of uh, lending institutions that will lend against your brokerage accounts and, and what you own in the stock market. You know, so there, there's just a lot of ways that you can do it. I just want to throw a disclaimer out there that um, most life insurance policies are garbage and you really have to find someone that is great at them that that builds it. So like if you just buy one off the shelf, it's probably not going to be a good fit. I mean, I, I would say that the odds are 99.9% uh, that it's not going to be a great fit. You really need someone that specializes in whole life that can craft something based on your income, your lifestyle, you know, all the all the, you know, details. So if anyone wants, I've got several people I could recommend. Um, but I just wouldn't do that off the shelf. But I right. do, you know, for me, it's everything that um, I, any investment I've ever made uh, has gone through that. Like any any asset that I have actually purchased has been an investment through my whole life or as a loan against my whole life. So every bit of real estate I own, a lot of these retail brands, um, a lot of, I mean, like operating companies uh, during the pandemic, I bought a dog training company just because I thought it was going to be a, a good idea because everyone's buying dogs and they're going to need to train them and they're going to go crazy. And that that business is booming. So that was a good call. But I mean, I, I borrowed the money against that policy and uh, and bought the business. So, I mean- Now, wait a minute. I, we, got, we got to digress here because we went from like secured notes and real estate and what have you to you bought a dog business, a dog walking dog training business? Yeah. Well, it, it's kind of cool. So uh, it, it's in Kansas City. I've got uh, my operating partner that lives in Kansas City and uh, it's called KC Dogs, uh, D-A-W-G- Z S. Yeah, of course, because nobody actually G-S- spells things the way that they're supposed to be G-Z, spelled anymore. G-Z, yeah. Uh, and anyway, so Patrick Mahomes ends up uh, training his dog at our company, which is pretty cool. Uh, and, and so, I mean, this, but it's, it's awesome because we don't like, I know nothing about dogs. I don't own a dog. I haven't, I mean, my parents owned a dog when I was a kid. Uh, my, you know, operating partner just bought a dog for the first time. So like we knew nothing about a dog training business, let alone dogs themselves. But it's just one of those things where it's like, pay attention to the market, pay attention to what's going on in the world and watch the trends and you'll capture good ideas. I didn't know if this was going to be a good idea, but conceptually it seemed like it should be. And I figured I'd try it out and I was able to uh, leverage it. I was able to get a portion of it seller finance. I was able to get a portion of a bank note. And then I uh, took a loan against my whole life policy for the down payment. Amazing. So uh, on this, on this dog business that you invested in, you're really just a financial, financial investor, right? You're bringing no expertise. You don't own a dog. You don't know the first thing about dogs, but you're just bringing the, the, the ability to finance, I'm guessing more debt for growth. Is that the, is that the expertise you're bringing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know how to look at financials. Uh, I, you know, I, I have experience scaling businesses cause I started a business that took off and I have operating partners that run that as well, but that's my favorite role. I, I love being the capital partner. I don't want to do the day-to-day anymore. I've done it. Uh, I know how to do it. I don't enjoy it. And it takes a lot of time. And then there's a lot of stuff that just kind of weighs on your mind. Like when you're done, it's like, oh, I need to do this and that. And the other thing, I just don't want that in my life. I'd rather just be the capital. And then whenever someone needs coaching or ideas, or if I just spot something that makes sense, I can share it. But that way it's more on my time. So it's again, buying my time back. That's awesome.